Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here at this worship service. We're going to continue in our worship now by reflecting on God's word. And I have a verse that I believe God is encouraging us with in this season of 2020. And as we look ahead to the new year, I pray that this could be a guiding verse for you as it has been for me. Let me pray and I'll read the scripture. That will be our main text this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this moments, these moments that we have here together. Would you minister to us through your word, your word that is life and is able to guide and instruct our lives, set our feet on the path that you have pioneered and perfected and teach us your way. We thank you for these truths, Lord, that lead us into life. Help us, Lord, to take courage, to take heart, and to know that you are in charge and using us for your purposes in the world. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Our guiding verse for this morning is from the psalmist, chapter 27, verses 13 and 14 say this, I remain confident of this. I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I love this expression of confidence from the psalmist. He's, you can just hear in the background of all the things that he's struggling with, all of the things that he's uncertain of, but they all give way to this confidence earned through years of trust, through years of faith, forged in the fire for moments of struggle and difficulty, and they are the sure foundation for the psalmist. He says, I remain confident of this. And what he's confident about is the good news that we all hope for hundreds and hundreds of years later, that we would see some kind of goodness. That's a lot of what we pray for in this season, right? God, would you give me some sense that there's something good on the horizon, that there's some new life that's possible. And we see the tension here because the psalmist is confident because he's seen before that God has done good things, but also sitting in the tension of what is ahead and so he says he must wait, even though he's confident that God will come. He hasn't experienced it yet in the season he finds himself in. And so his posture is of one of waiting and expectation on the Lord. And so he encourages us by saying, be strong and take hard. And repeats again. And when we see this repetition, we know that the scripture means it, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you desire to see the land of the living again, 
and yet you have not experienced it yet, that you would be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You know, one of the qualifications of a leader is discovered in this transition from Moses to Joshua in the latter part of Exodus, when Moses learns that he will not be going into the land of the living, the promised land, and, and they're getting ready for a moment where Moses would transition the leadership of the Jewish people to Joshua. And Exodus 33:11 puts it this way. It says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. But when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. This gives us a clue into the character of the one God would choose in order to lead. Joshua refused to even leave the tent, the place where God's Holy Spirit dwelled, his presence was back in the times of the Exodus narrative. He was there praying day and night and refused to leave. And God saw that. He saw his waiting. His waiting that wasn't just a pause or stagnation, but his waiting with an expectancy. And so when the time came, he was able to step into all that God would have for him. So he was preparing through this season of waiting in the tent. Edmund Burke once wrote of patience. He said, our patience will achieve more than our force. Conversely, we could Think of it another way and say, you know what? Many times our violence, our outbursts, our anger are frequently the result of our inability to wait on the Lord, to live in our time and on our timeline instead of on God's timeline. Stanley Hauerwas one of the greatest theologians of our time writes this. He says, the movement that Jesus begins is constituted by people who believe that they have all the time in the world, made possible by God's patience to challenge the world's impatience, impatient violence by cross and resurrection. We see echoes of the story of Joshua in Luke chapter 2 as we see Jesus as a young man. The story goes like this from Luke 2.41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. But after the festival was over... While his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for an entire day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find them, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, 
they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. He says this, Why were you searching for me? He asked, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? You see, Jesus, like Joshua, his namesake, refused to come out of the tent of meeting or refused to leave the temple. There was so much in his development as a young man that was done just merely in the presence of the Lord through the wisdom of the elders, but also in the space where God's spirit was There, God was fashioning these two heroes and the one Messiah by fervent, expectant prayer. They had not done anything yet. They had not moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. They had not healed anyone or led anyone across seas that were uncrossable. But there they were in the presence of the Lord with expectancy that even though to the outside world it just looked like a couple of young men in prayer, to God it was a season of preparation, of waiting, for a time when they would be used to change history. Do not forsake your seasons of waiting. Do not despise the days that seem small. They are the seasons where God wants to cultivate and use you to shape and fashion you to teach you that you can wait and that there is something on the other side of your waiting. The oldest surviving book written by a woman in the English language is entitled Revelations of Divine Love. It was written in the 14th century by a mystic by the name of Julian of Norwich. If you don't recognize the name, you may recognize the prayer that she is most famous for that echoes down the hallways and the corridors of church history. Her prayer is this, all shall be well, all shall be well, all matter of things shall be well. Now, at first we might bristle at something like this expression out of context. You know, we'd say, all shall be well. Are you living in the world I'm living in? But when we learn of Julian of Norwich's story, the words take on even more power. You see, Julian of Norwich lived during the Hundred Years' War, and she was actually born after it started and died before it ended. 
this 100 years war before between England and France. And during this war, there were frequently famines that were a result of the war. Not only that, but there were actually three different plagues that took place in her lifetime. And she was an anchorite nun, meaning that she lived most of her life in a small room next to a church in quarantine. So as she was there in this room in quarantine during a pandemic, during a war, she wrote a book that has stood the test of time because in that small room, she began to pray and to read scripture and discover an intimate relationship with Jesus. And she began to see that in her limited space that God could show up in a very profound way. A historian commenting on Julian of Norwich Life said this, Julian looked at the suffering around her and saw not the punishment of God, but the love of God extending into every nook and cranny to meet and find us in it. And nothing demonstrated this more for her than the example of Jesus himself. Just as we suffer, so did Jesus. God does not stay above the fray, so to speak, but enters into our suffering with solidarity. That's a way of speaking about one of the most essential doctrinal truths of the incarnation, that Jesus came in the midst of our suffering to enter into it. And it was the discovery of this eternal truth that allowed Norwich to say with confidence, despite her circumstances, all shall be well, all shall be well, all matter of things shall be well. And we know that our lives may never fully return back to the way they were before the pandemic, just as 9-11 changed airports forever. This pandemic will alter church life and the way we do things permanently. And yes, there's much to grieve and there's still much lost. And yet, how in this season do we be the church in the spirit of Julian of Norwich who can still declare, all shall be well, all shall be well, all matter of things shall be well. We hold this spirit as we stand here again online in the midst of a pandemic and we echo Isaiah 9-6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the Mighty God the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace and we meet him here we meet him in our quarantine And we wait expectantly, knowing that God is doing something in our hearts now that is preparing us for the land of the living. So be strong and take heart.
this year. May God prepare in you something you never expected. And may you come to know Jesus in closer ways than you ever have before. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, almighty God, everlasting Father, you are Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. And though things feel bleak and difficult down here, Lord, we know that you are seated on the throne and we trust you. We pray that your kingdom would come and that you would make us a patient, expectant people in 2021. We would remain confident knowing that you have done it before, that you will take us again into the land of the living. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for our time together. Fill our hearts with praise and worship now. Amen.